confirmation. You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll talk about confirmation and how God uses people and circumstances to confirm his will for our lives. Let's get started. I want you to look with me very quickly at Judges chapter 6 and verse 17. Judges chapter 6 and verse 17. And one verse, and uh, it says, Gideon replied, If now I found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. This is Gideon talking to God. Give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Let me ask you this question as we get started tonight. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you heard God speaking to you, but you you were not really sure? And then you went about your day or you went about your week and somehow, some way, somebody said something to you or something happened and, and it confirmed exactly what the Lord had said to you. And, and what did you say? How did you respond? Oftentimes we say, that's confirmation. Oh, that's confirmation right there. That's, that's confirmation. That's often how we respond. And in my own life, it's been too many times to count, but, but whenever... I sense God saying something to me. Shortly thereafter, he will confirm it in a very clear and tangible way. Often when I go to um, a church or, you know, um, when I'm I'm speaking in in a place, if I am, you know, called into a city and a new church and and I'll spend time praying leading up to that time of what what I'm asking God is, what do you want me to share? What, What do you want me to share? And, and I'll get a sense, I'll hear God's voice, but then I will always ask, okay, so I need you to confirm that. And often, God will confirm it through maybe the conversation with the pastor. Sometimes I've walked into a church, and it's the song that the choir sings, that's my confirmation. Or something that, you know, one of the leaders will say in remarks or something, and it's confirmation. And what I've learned over the years of walking with God And serving him and his people is this. God always confirms his word. You need to get this in your notes. God always confirms his word. I wish somebody would have taught me this 25, 30 years ago. But God always, somebody say always. God always, always, always confirms his word. You you don't have to worry about it. If it's really God speaking, he's always going to confirm his word. And so the first thing I want you to know tonight is that it's okay to seek confirmation. It's okay to seek confirmation. And I know for for some of you, depending on your background, you may say, oh, wait a minute. Are you sure about that? I'm absolutely sure. Let me show you a few verses of scripture that will show you how much God values confirmation. You go to Mark 16 and verse 20, and notice what it says. It says, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Some translations say signs and miracles that accompanied it. So Jesus gives the authority to the disciples, and they go out, and they're preaching, and they're teaching, and they are hesitant. Are we good enough? Do we have what it takes? Can we do what the master says we can do? Notice how Jesus confirms what he said to them. He confirms it through signs and through wonders. 
Another one is Matthew 18 and verse 16. In Matthew 18 and verse 16, and these are just a few verses. I can show this to you all throughout Scripture. But in Matthew 18 and 16, it says, But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Now, Jesus is teaching here, and the context of his teaching is he's saying, here's how you deal with a brother or a sister who offends you, who sins against you. First of all, he says, go, go to them. He says, you ought to go to the brother and tell them. If you've got an, an offense or an issue with the brother, you go directly to them and, and share with them your issue. Let them know that what they did was wrong or it hurt you or it disappointed you. And if they listen to you, then great, hey, it helps to restore the fellowship. But then Jesus says, but if they refuse to listen, he says, here's what you do. You go back and get somebody else. Get one or two other people and then have them confirm what you've been trying to share with them. And he says, that, that's the way that you ought to approach it. Because sometimes you can go to a person and say, you know, I think this is something that you've done or an issue, and they, and they won't receive it. But he says, here's what you do. Go to two or three other individuals, have them confirm it with that person. So once again, this is another scripture that helps us to understand that not only does God allow, but he even endorses confirmation. I'll give you one more, and this is a quick one. In 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 1, this is the Apostle Paul, and he says, this will be the third time. He's talking to the Corinthian church, and he says, this will be the third time that I am coming to you. And then he quotes from Jesus and says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. Paul is repeating the words of Jesus that we just looked at in Matthew 18, but the context is, Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, I have been to you guys and I've been dealing with this issue on multiple occasions and not just me, but there have been other pastors and leaders that have come through and they've told you the same thing. So he's saying, in essence, if you don't at least believe me, please pay attention to the fact that all of us have been saying the same thing. Once again, he's stressing the significance of confirmation. So number one, it's okay to ask God, God, is this, is this really you? It's okay to ask for confirmation. But here's the second thing that I want to share with you. One of the greatest examples of the fact that God is okay, but not only okay, but that he will provide confirmation is Gideon. Number two, Gideon is a classic example. Now there are a number of instances and stories in the Bible that I could point you to, but in, in the time that we have, I want you to see this in the life of Gideon. The story of Gideon is probably one of the best stories, in my opinion, that deal with this issue of confirmation. Now, there are some of you who are probably familiar with parts of Gideon's story. But what a lot of people miss, if you're familiar with Gideon's story, is that Gideon asked for confirmation from God over and over and over again. I want to show it to you. Start with me in Judges 6 and in verse 11. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Orpha, which belonged to Joash the Bezerite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So, talking about hearing from God and being able to tune in to the voice of God, as we're introduced to Gideon, the backdrop is that the children of Israel are being oppressed 
by the Midianites. And so they are being oppressed by the Midianites, and they cry out to God, God, help us, save us, deliver us. The Lord heard their prayers and then appears to a man by the name of Gideon. Now, when we're introduced to Gideon, notice what he's doing. Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. Back in that day, a wine press was a big, a big hole in the ground. And yet he's in a wine press threshing wheat. Now, when you thresh wheat, you need big open spaces. Because when you thresh wheat, you would, you would take the winnowing fork, uh, drive it in there, and, and toss it up. And the wind would, would blow away the chaff, and only the heavy, real good stuff, the wheat, would fall down. So notice, he needs to be in a big open space, but he's trying to thresh wheat in a wine press. Why? The, the verse tells us. Because he's trying to hide it from the Midianites. So he's scared. So God shows up, speaks to Gideon, and says, I want you to deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Midianites. But, but Gideon is hesitant. He's scared of the Midianites in the first place. God shows up, says, this is what I want you to do, and he's afraid. Even though when God shows up, notice what God says to him, you mighty man of valor. Then if you keep reading later on in verse 16, he goes on and says to Gideon, surely I will be with you, and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. But, but even beyond all of that, even with the promise of deliverance, even what God speaks over Gideon's life, Gideon still says, I, I need confirmation. I need to be sure that I'm hearing you correctly. So just drop down to verse 17 of Judges 6. Then he said to him, this is Gideon, talking to God by way of the, the angel of the Lord. And he says, listen, if I found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who's talking with me. He says, here's what I want. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, and he said notice what the angel of the Lord says to Gideon. He says, I'm, I'll wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket... And he put the broth in a pot and he brought it and brought it to him and set it under the terebinth tree and presented it. Now, what's amazing about all of this is not just that Gideon asked for a sign. Here's what's amazing to me that I submit to you tonight. What's amazing is that God waited on Gideon to do what he needed to do before he delivered the sign. Gideon says, stay right here, stay right here. Stay right here. Let me go fix a meal and present it to you as an offering. What's amazing, because he says, I need a sign, so let me do this and this will help with the sign. What's amazing is that God waited. He said, oh, okay. This is, this is not the fast food generation in Gideon's day. There are no microwaves. So get what Gideon has to do. He has to go, number one, get the goat, slaughter the goat, carve up the goat, cook the meat. He's got to take the flour, knead it, turn it into dough, and bake the bread. And the whole time, God is waiting. See, the reason that that is spectacular to me is because just as God waited for Gideon, guess what? He'll wait for us too. God will wait. 
You say, okay, I know you need a sign, so I'll, I'll wait on you. How do, how do you know that, Pastor? He did it for Gideon. He'll do it for us. So Gideon goes and fixes this meal, brings it back, and look at what happened. Let's pick up at around verse 20. He takes this meal, presents it to the angel of God, and, and the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Don't fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it's still an Orpha of the Abizarites. Now, this was Gideon's first confirmation. He prepares this meal. God waits on him. He brings the meal and he says... Put the, put the meat on the rock and pour the broth out and, and all of that. And, and fire comes out of a rock and consumes the meal. Now, if it was me, and fire comes out of a rock and consumes what I just prepared for God, I, I'd say, oh, I, I, I got it. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I, thank you. Thank you. No more signs needed. I got it. This is, this is you. But not so in Gideon's life. After all of that fire out of a rock, he still needs more confirmation. So Gideon said to God, later on, he says, oh, okay, all right, if you will save Israel by my hands as you have said, I know the fire out of the rock thing happened and all of that, but, but look, okay, here, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there's dew on the fleece only and it is dry all around the ground, then I shall know, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. He says, then I'll know, I'll know. The fire out of the rock thing, that was really impressive, God. Thank you. Wow. But let me try this fleece thing out. Because then I'll really know. So I want to put the fleece down, put dew on the fleece, but all around the fleece, make sure that the, dry, the, the ground is dry. And the Bible says, and it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, and it was a bowl full of water. That's the second confirmation. Now you would think, all right, let me see. We had fire out of a rock. All right, we had the fleece. I, I asked you to make the fleece wet, make all of the ground around it dry. You did it. It was a bowl full of water. You would think that he'd say, I got it, I got it, I got it. But yet he needed another sign, another confirmation. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. But let me just speak once more. Let, 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 me, let me test, I, I pray, just once more with the fleece. But but this time, let, let's, let's switch it up. Let now, uh, let it now be dry only on the fleece. But all around the ground, let there be dew. He says, oh, okay, okay, this time, I want the fleece to be dry. But all around it, I want, I want 
do to be on the ground. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on the ground. Now you would think, fire from a rock, check. First confirmation with the fleece, fleece wet, all around it, dry, check. Let's switch it up. I want the, I want the fleece to be dry, all around it, wet, check. You would think that that'd be enough. You'd say, I, I got it, God, I got it, I got it. But then he asked for another sign. Now, let me just pause here and say there is a difference between confirmation and procrastination. Teach, pastor, I'm doing it. And the difference is your heart. Because the Bible says over and over and over again that God knows our heart. So there are some of us sometimes that have been guilty of procrastination. But we hide under the, the, the heading of, I just, I just need, I need confirmation. God knows your heart. He knows that, no, no, you have all the confirmation you need. You're just procrastinating. This is not necessarily the case with Gideon. Gideon is just excessively seeking confirmation. So then you get over into chapter 7. And this is when Gideon finally gathers the men for the battle, 32,000 of them. God says, whoa, 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 slow your roll. You got too many. 10,000 men go home. 22,000. Gideon's like, all right, let's go. God says, whoa, 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 whoa. You still got too many. Take them down to the river. Let me show you how we're going to separate them. He's only left with 300 men. He's only left with 300 men. And so now he's like, now, now, God, are you sure with 300 men, we are grossly outnumbered? Are you sure? So God gives him another sign, another confirmation. He says, okay, Gideon, here's what I need. I did fire from a rocket. It wasn't good enough. We did the fleece thing twice. That, that still wasn't good enough. So, you know, you're asking for more confirmation. Here's what I want you to do. I need you and your servant to sneak down at night into the Midianite camp. And I just want you to listen to them. Don't say a word. Don't draw any attention to yourself. Just listen. And this is where I want you to pick me up in Judges chapter 7 and verse 13. It says, and when Gideon had come, talking about snuck into the camp, when he had gotten to the Midianite camp that night, it says there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I've had a dream, and to my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and says, well, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. Into his hands, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, I love this, that he worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, 300, arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hands. How's that for confirmation? Gideon knew the outcome of the battle before the battle even began. And my favorite response is when it says, he worshiped. You're doggone right you need to worship. That ought to be our response. When we hear from God and when God has confirmed a word in our lives, we ought to worship. I got three amens over here at Bessemer Derby. I know you're with me. 
We, we ought to worship. So I wanted you to understand that God is okay with, with, with asking for confirmation. He's okay with that. I wanted to show you that he was okay with it through the life of Gideon. So finally, let me give you three questions that you need to ask to confirm if you've heard from God. God, I, I want to hear from you, but is this really you or is it me? Is it what you want or is it what I want? I want to give you three questions to ask to confirm whether or not you've heard from God. Here's the first question. Does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with the Bible? Does the Bible agree with what you think you've heard from God? That's the first question. Why? Because God will never tell you something that disagrees with his holy word. If you think that you've heard from God, but it contradicts his word, then it's not the Lord. It's not the Lord. My wife and I um, know a man. I shared a little bit of this story with our, with our uh, ministry team one day in chapel talking about how you can miss God. Because we, we, we know a man who we know beyond a shadow of a doubt missed God, missed him. This, this man decided to leave his wife. He decided to leave his wife. And my wife and I have been praying for them and really just believe in God to restore their marriage. And I believe that God really wanted to. But this man made a decision. He made a decision to just leave his wife. And when I asked him why, his, his rationale was, well, you know, I need to be happy. I think God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. That was what he really believed. I think I've heard from the Lord. And God wants me to be happy. Well, hold on a second. Because what does the word of God say about that? What are you going to do with Malachi 2 and verse 16 for an example that says, For the Lord God of Israel says that he, he hates divorce. You've got to do something with that. Or what about Ephesians 5 and verse 25? And this is what I said. I know, you, I know you just want to go ahead and file for divorce. And he ended up doing it. He, you know, he ended up doing it and, and all of that. But, but wait a minute. You can't say that this is what God said because it violates Scripture. What about Ephesians 5 and 25 that says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That, that the way we are supposed to love our wives is a way that Jesus demonstrated his love for us to the degree that he gave up his life. See, the reason I'm telling you this, and man, you guys are mighty quiet, I guess, because you can't say amen right here. Maybe this is too heavy of a subject matter. But the reason I'm telling this to you is because many people try to use the Bible to support what they want God to say. Oh, this is, this is what I really believe the will of the Lord is for me. No, you want that to be God's will for your life. And this is just, it didn't start with us. The Pharisees approached Jesus with the same issue. I don't have time to take you there, but write somewhere in your notes, in your app, Matthew 19, and go read it um, in your own time. But the Pharisees come up to Jesus, and they raise this question. Oh, well, well, Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for, for any reason? And then they cite the law of Moses. Well, Moses said, 
So they're using, they're using the Mosaic law, Old Testament scripture, to support what they want. And Jesus, Jesus gets them. He says, well, let me clarify. He unpacks and says, here's what Moses was really talking about. Moses understood that sometimes there are abusive, um, life-threatening situations. And so the reason that Moses said this is because instead of allowing a woman to be in an abusive, life-threatening marriage, he said, just write a certificate of divorce. But then he goes back and Jesus quotes Genesis 2. He says, wait a minute, but what did God originally say? For this reason, a man must leave his mother and father and they must cleave to one another. And what God put together, let no man put asunder. And so he really deals with that because what he recognizes is that the Pharisees are just looking for an excuse to do what they want to do. They just want to be able to just say, I'm, I'm out of this divorce. I mean, I'm out of this marriage. I want, I want a divorce. And they're trying to use scripture to justify it. Let me move on. Man, you guys are looking at me kind of strange. Woo. You, this is about hearing from God. First question that you got to ask is, is, does it line up? Does it agree with the Bible? Here's the second question you have to ask. Does godly counsel agree? Let me tell you why I'm so passionate about this, because I have seen so many people miss God and get outside of his will because they won't do these things. Number two, ask the question, does godly counsel agree? If you believe that God has spoken to you, then submit it to godly men and women for, for prayerful counsel. Because here's what you want to find out. Are mature believers hearing the same thing from the Lord? This is another reason why small groups are so important and why you should never do life alone. Because when you get to these kind of intersections, you need to have godly men and women around you in your community that you can say, Here's something that I really think I heard God saying, but I need you to prayerfully, I need you to pray, take it to the Lord, and come back to me and tell me what you hear. So a couple of weeks ago, my, my friend, Pastor Wayne Cheney and his wife, Maisha Cheney, they were our guests. It was a powerful, powerful move of God, and a lot of people responded and talking about, oh man, it was so prophetic, and he said some things, and oh, it was amazing. And it was. I mean, God used him in a mighty way. His dominant gift is the prophetic. But as he was ministering and even in what he was saying, it didn't surprise me. It was yet another confirmation of what God had been saying to me long before they ever got here. It started with one of our apostolic elders saying some things to me that, that, I, that I sensed that God was saying. But, I, you know, it was so kind of scary and, and so far out there, you know, in terms of just the next faith step that I didn't say anything to anybody about it. I was just like, okay, God. So then God sent one of the apostolic elders of our church, and he said it. He said, I, 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 I feel a lot of Lord. I, I got to spend some time with you because this is what I hear God saying that you need to begin praying for and preparing for uh, that's coming. So then I said, Wow. That's the first confirmation. Then, 
got confirmation from someone else that I trust. I didn't go to them asking. They just said, this is something that uh, the Lord laid upon my heart that I think you really need to begin to pray for, pray about. Then Pastor Cheney comes and says what he says. Another confirmation. Then I call another trusted, godly counselor in my life, and I tell them all of the things that will happen, and I said, I need you. I need you to just, you know, take it and pray about it. And you tell me, you know, when you have time, what you hear the Lord saying. He said, it's not going to take long because I've, I've seen this coming for a very long time. He said, but I'll, I'll still go and I'll pray about it. He said, and I'll call you back. Called me back the other night. He said, yeah, if you got a second, let me tell you everything that I hear the Lord saying. Confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. What did it come from? No, godly people. Do you hear what I'm teaching you? This is so good. I'm teaching better than you're responding. Proverbs 12 and verse 15 says this. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he who heeds counsel is wise. When nobody can tell you anything, that's a dangerous place to be, boy. I've seen people miss God every which way because they don't have godly counsel. Proverbs 24 and verse 6 says it this way. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. You go to battle, man, with wise counsel. You're ready for war. And in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. What do I want you to understand? Seeking godly, prayerful counsel is the wise thing to do. But let me give you a few parameters about how to do it. Let me give you some parameters, a few caveats here. Because sometimes, here's what people will do. Sometimes people will run to several different types of people who want godly counsel. They want it. They sincerely want it. But they'll go to several, several different types of people. And, and all of these different types of people will give contradictory advice. And when you go to several different people and they're giving you contradictory advice, that's a clue that those people are not in the category of godly counsel. Because God will never contradict himself. Now, those people may be good people. I'm not vilifying them. And they may have given you good advice, but it's not godly counsel. There's a big difference between something being good and something being God. Who teach Pastor Van? There's a big difference between it being good and it being God. There are a lot of things that are good, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's God. And if you, if you need godly counsel, you need God, not advice. Have you ever been in that place where you're like, eh, yeah, thank you for the advice. I need to hear from him. That's godly counsel. That's when you need it. Here's something else as a caveat. Sometimes a person will already have in mind what they want to hear. So here's what they'll do. They'll go to a godly mentor to seek counsel. But then when the godly mentor doesn't tell them what they want to hear, they'll say, oh, thank you. Praise the Lord. And then they'll go from person to person to person to person trying to find someone to co-sign and say what they really want to hear. 
Once again, that's not godly counsel. See, when you seek godly counsel, it it doesn't mean that your mind is made up already. It it means that, wait a minute, I, I feel like I've really heard from God. I think that this is what he's saying. But you're really offering it back up to God to confirm it through godly people that you know walk with him, talk with him on a consistent basis. Trusted believers who you know are going to pray and give you honest, biblical feedback. Let me tell you why this is so important, because we all have blind spots. Every ophthalmologist will tell you, regardless of your vision, whether you need glasses like I do or whether you think that you have 20-20 vision, you may medically have 20-20 vision, but every eye doctor will tell you we all have blind spots. So part of the reason you need godly counsel is because often they will see things that you don't see. I I gathered um, the elders and, and, and some of our top leaders together just the other day, and I said, I finally said to them what I sensed the Lord saying that was confirmed through a number of people. And you know what they said? Yeah, but we saw this a long time ago, Pastor. I didn't see it. Blind spot. We all have them. So when you want to seek godly counsel, number one, make sure you've heard from God first. Because another mistake that people make is they go to somebody else trying to hear God through them. What do you think the Lord is saying? No, 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 no. no. That's not where we start. We start with, this is what I sense the Lord saying. This is what I think he's saying. But I'm, I'm submitting it back to him to confirm it through you because I know you to be a godly man, a godly woman, and I know you to be a very uh, intentional prayer person and biblically rooted person. Are you following me? Here's the last one that I'll share with you as I close. Here's the last question I ask. Does peace reign in my heart? Talking about hearing from God, does peace reign in my heart? You can make a general, does peace reign in your heart? That's the big question to ask. Do I have peace? Do I have peace about it? Now, let me clarify this. It will always take faith to follow God. If you're really going to follow God, you will never be able to get beyond living and acting by faith. Okay? It takes faith to follow God. Fear has nothing to do with the experience of following God. Can... God will show you some things that will be beyond you, you know, and, and, and may shake you for a second. But, but, but living with fear and being scared all the time, every step along the way, that has nothing to do with the experience of following God. That kind of fear, fear is from the enemy. God, tells, uh, God speaks through Paul to Timothy. God, he says, God did not give you a spirit of fear. If God didn't give it to us, then the question is, where did it come from? The enemy. Fear is from the enemy. Faith is from the Lord. If God is leading you, and if he's spoken something to you, here's another way that you will confirm it, and he will confirm it, is that he will give you peace. And you may not have all the details, but you will have peace. You absolutely will have peace. Colossians 3 and 15 says this, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also called in one body and be thankful. Now, that word rule doesn't mean, you know, just a a ruler or authority. That word rule in the Greek literally means to be an umpire. 
So just like an umpire particularly sits behind the home plate, and when the pitch is thrown, it is the umpire that determines whether it is a fair ball or foul ball, whether it is a strike or whether it is outside of the strike zone. That is the job of the umpire. So when the pitch comes, the umpire is the one that determines if it's a ball, if it's a strike, that kind of thing. So when God throws something at you, if he speaks to you and you get a sense that I really think this is the Lord, the umpire of your soul will say this is real or this is not. And the way that that happens is if it's really God, you'll have peace about it. You will have peace. You may not have all the details, but you will have peace. And every godly decision, what protects you is his peace. This is why Philippians 4 and verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and guard your minds through, some translations say, in Christ Jesus. That peace won't make sense to everybody else, and it doesn't have to make sense to everybody else, but it does have to make sense to you. And that's a peace that will go beyond your understanding. So let me say this to you as I close. If there's a lot of uneasiness, there's a ton of uneasiness, if there is no peace, then more than likely, it's not God. If it's God, one of the main ways that you will know that you have heard from God is that he will give you a peace. When we moved from Fort Lauderdale to Birmingham and didn't know anybody, barely knew the pastor that was responsible for bringing us here, didn't come here to plant a church, came here to serve the vision of someone else. And when that opportunity was presented to us, and I tell this story often, the pastor first came to me and said, this is what I think you ought to do. I'm behind you 100%. He's gone on to glory now. His, his wife and son and daughter and grandkids are active members of our great church. But when he first said it to me, I was like, absolutely not. Mm -mm. You know, I got all into my righteous indignation. Oh, no, not going to receive it. Then God spoke through my wife, and she came to me and said, listen, if we got to sell everything, and if we got to eat pork and beans out of a can, this is the will of the Lord for you. I, I know it. I told her the same thing, not trying to hear it. Like, nope. She said, okay. She said, I just want you to know, I know you're going to pray and seek God for yourself. She said, but I just want you to know when God speaks to you, you don't have to explain it to me. I was like, whatever. He's not going to speak to me. You know, that's not his will. Because I was thinking about everything that we were going to have to give up. I was thinking about all of what could go wrong, all of the issues and challenges that come. But I did. I said, God, I'm going to take some time, and I really am going to pray about this thing. And I fasted and prayed, and, and I said, I have to hear your voice. I have to hear your voice. And when he spoke, he confirmed it. Because there was a peace. And it didn't make sense to my parents. It didn't make sense to, you know, they were like, well, you're going to give away what? You're going, what? You go, what? Didn't make sense to any other leaders that I knew around the country. Man, what? That's crazy. But I knew it was God because I had that peace.
that no matter what we had to give away, no matter what we had to give up, if we lost our home and everything else in the process, I had that peace because I heard his voice. If you're uneasy, if it is, if it is overly hard, it's not God. It's not God. It's not God. I'm going to pray here in a moment, but I want to stress this as clearly as I can. I believe that many of you are in a place where you need to hear from God. I think it is no coincidence that back in May, God told me, don't rush through this. Take your time because I need you to come back and deal with more of this in August. I, I, I didn't know in May that we'd be where we are right now. I, ha- I didn't know that, but I sent so strongly. This is why our 6 a.m. prayer has been powerful. This is why this next, these 21 days are going to be incredible because there's a hunger in, in many of you. you. You desperately need to hear from God. You need to have an encounter over these 21 days. And that's why I'm saying what I'm saying and teaching you what thus says the Lord because I want you to be able to distinguish when he speaks, not if he speaks, but when he speaks. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week. Thank you.